This is Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast, hosted by Pulp and Paper Canada magazine, the industry's news source since 1903. You've tuned in to hear conversations with pulp and paper experts on the latest technologies and trends affecting this essential part of Canada's forest products sector. Hello, and welcome to Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast. I'm Christina Urquhart, editor of Pulp and Paper Canada magazine. Forest management is an integral part of the Canadian forest products industry, which extends to understanding their environmental, social, and economic value. Today, we're talking about all three of those values with Janice Simpkins, Senior Vice President of the Alberta Forest Products Association, or AFPA. She's also the chair of the AFPA's Environment Committee, where she is leading the environmental, social, and governance portfolio. Janice comes to the association with an extensive background at the Government of Alberta. Most recently, she worked for Alberta Energy, where she served as Executive Director Strategic Initiatives, and prior to that, she held posts in Indigenous Relations, as well as in Economic Development, Trade, and Tourism. Next, Janice talks to us about the economic opportunities she sees for forest products companies to improve their competitiveness, the AFPA's environment goals for the next few years, and the Association's mandate to expand its working relationship with the pulp and paper sector. Thank you for joining us today, Janice. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Well, you've been in your role at AFPA as Senior VP Environment Chair for about three months now. Can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day and what you're doing there? Honestly, it's a bit of a whirlwind. I would say every day is a bit different. So, you know, what I love about working at AFPA is there are so many issues and opportunities crossing kind of multiple fronts of the organization. And where I really get to focus my time depends on where I'm needed most. And that's a really fun space to be in. The first few months here has been a lot of learning, a lot of conversations with members and their teams, just kind of getting a current state of play. And now I would say we're in the process of starting to build and kind of create momentum in some of those key areas of importance. So what are some of the issues that you've heard about in the industry that are keeping you up at night or sparking some passion in you? I think there's two things. So you're exactly right. There's some that are that are really exciting and that I'm passionate about. So number one is all about opportunity. I think you'll hear me say that lots today. I'm really passionate about the sustainability record of our industry. I think this industry has an extremely innovative and environmental approach to working on a shared land base. They're always improving. And I think they play such a key role in some of those kind of global climate solutions. So there is so much opportunity in a sector like this. And I'm extremely passionate about, you know, realizing and and helping our companies to realize on that opportunity. On the flip side, you know, what keeps me up at night is probably translating that opportunity into reality. So how do we tell a forward-looking story in a way that people really understand uh, what our industry is about and what we're doing? You know, I think a lot about policy. I think about how policy is made, how we as an industry and we as an organization ourselves contribute to that part of the solving, I guess, the, the biggest issues of our time when I think about the policy space, how that really needs to be collaborative and how we can do a better job at kind of being at the table and, and engaging those around us. And I really think about, for me personally, I guess, is, you know, How do I contribute in creating the space that that can occur and build on the good work that industry is really already doing? So, you know, you mentioned the really important issues of today. And, you know, I would say environment is absolutely one of those issues. As the environment chair for the organization, what are your main goals for the next few years? It's a great question. Um, You know, my main goal right now, I think, is really focusing on policy coherence. So what that means to me is making sure that the role that industry is playing in our future is focused on that economic and environment future and that that is really, really well understood. 
So it means breaking down the communication barriers and working with policymakers to focus on outcomes that benefit the environment. So when we think about, you know, environmental outcomes, it's reducing red tape and focusing on solutions that make a difference, that are scientifically informed and that can be implemented in practical and meaningful ways. There are a lot of great things that we can do in the environment space and that we are doing and coming up with those really pragmatic approaches to dealing with them, I think, is really, really crucial. What I've been struck with since joining the AFPA is just how passionate our members and their employees are. So I think that the future is a bit of a puzzle, and I think this industry really has a lot of the pieces, and it's my job to kind of figure out how to put them together. Before joining the AFPA, you spent about five years for the Alberta government in a number of positions, including in energy and trade and economic development. Coming from a job where the scope was definitely related to the forest product sector, but not necessarily in it full time, what was it that drew you to uh, working for the FPA? So I loved working in government. I was really fortunate to work with some of the most public-minded, engaged, and intelligent people of my career. But coming to AFPA for me was really all about AFPA and opportunity. There was something intriguing about moving to the private sector and playing a role and connecting the work of companies into that public policy sphere. So I love working closely on the ground with industry. These are the people that have boots on the ground in our communities. And my ultimate passion is about serving people regardless of kind of what that content and context is. And I think that this um, is a really exciting and new way to do that. And it's a way to learn and gain some new perspectives while also sharing what I've learned in my time at government and before that. What are some of those opportunities that you see for Alberta forest products companies to strengthen their competitiveness? I think I've touched on a few already when it comes to that policy space, but I really do think one of the key issues that I've come to find even in the first couple months here at the AFPA is about transportation. And we need to be able to ensure that market access and that we're finding new markets. Uh, We need a reliable rail system. Transportation is one of our key impediments when it comes to being competitive on that global stage. Secondly, I think, you know, it's really clear that the world is beginning to move away from things like single-use plastics, and that is a huge, huge opportunity for the pulp industry to capitalize with renewable and sustainable products. So working with government to ensure that understanding and and to kind of streamline process and to really see those opportunities, it's a huge opportunity, I think, for industry. In your tool belt here, you've also (laughs) uh, spent some time at the Alberta government, about three and a half years on the Northern Development and Indigenous Relations file. And then you were also at the Alberta Indigenous Opportunities Corporation. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're bringing from your experience with those roles to what you're doing at the AFPA when you're working with industry? Absolutely. I really enjoyed my time and experience working in the North and certainly engaging throughout my career with a number of different Indigenous communities. What I can say is that no one community is the same. The issues with communities are very varied, but the one thing that I think remains constant is the pride they have in the land and their traditions of their people. If I can say that anything about the forest industry is that that makes us the perfect partner because we share a lot of those same values. So, you know, having the opportunity to work on those files in government really allowed me to see where those values lie and to make those connections into this industry. How would you characterize the current relationship between the forest products companies in Alberta and the Indigenous communities? I think Indigenous people are a really integral part of our industry. So I was really pleased to learn that nearly 10% of the labor force in the forestry sector is Indigenous people and our companies are growing the relationships they have with those forest communities that they're a part of. 
that said, there's always room for improvement. And I know our members are really keen to better understand how they can work with and, and partner with Indigenous communities. Do you have any suggestions on how companies could keep building the communication? You know, I think foundationally there are two big pieces. So we've done a great job in the forest sector on the contractor side and woodland side, um, you know, the sawmill and forestry operations. But I think one area where there is um, improvement is really ensuring our Indigenous people have the skills to be part of the pulp and paper labor force, which is quite different. And that really starts with educating them through programs like what we do in Work Wild or just to ensure that Indigenous people are aware of the opportunities and the pathways to be a part of kind of that part of the sector. I think the second thing, and this is something, you know, this is lifelong learning for me, but it's really about educating and learning from one another. So I've been really fortunate to be, as you mentioned, in a number of different roles and to engage on a number of different levels. And there's so much learning. Um, but that really came from that encouragement of open dialogue and finding opportunities where there's common ground and where we can work together. So really, you know, enhancing, enhancing relationships with Indigenous people, it's those key elements, I think, that can start to bring us together even closer. Changing tax here, what's a notable project pertinent to the pulp and paper industry or, or the forest products industry in general that you are currently working on? You know, as an association, I think there hasn't been a lot of depth to fully support our pulp and paper sector. My main focus is to work through a full support program that includes policy and regulatory advice. ESG strategy development is a big one, um, and then building key relationships. So I think the AFPA really has really worked working to kind of broaden that focus in the pulp and paper space. I've said this numerous times throughout this interview, and I, I will over and over again, it's just there's so much opportunity that exists with the shifting landscape and the desires of customers to move to those sustainable products. So it's our goal to really position the organization to help identify what those opportunities are. And then again, the key piece is removing those barriers for our members. So that's a big, big area that I'm hoping to lean in on in the coming months. How do you plan to expand the AFPA's relationship with the pulp paper and packaging sector? Expanding that relationship is about being responsive. It's about developing those relationships and then looking forward. You know, the more that I think we can, we can work together and have conversations about what the future looks like, I think that's really how we can kind of expand AFPA in that space. What are some of the main takeaways you would want to leave the forest product sector with about the AFPA's role in the industry? AFPA has a really proud legacy. So I'm, I'm really pleased to be joining at this point kind of in my career and just in the organization's history. But I think the AFP also realizes that we have some work to do. So I want people to know that we're working very hard every day to realize that vision. Our role is to support our members. It's to communicate at home and globally about the leadership of our companies and their sustainable harvesting practices and their commitment to the environment. And then key is communicating about their place in a low carbon future. So AFPA, AFPA is here to support that and is here to lead that with our members. How does that relationship come to fruition? What I've seen in the first, in, you know, my kind of beginning months is really about, you know, our members will come to us to help broker conversations with policymakers. And, you know, they have great relationships with government in and of themselves. But one of the great things about AFPA is that this is where all of our members come together at the same time, create a consensus-based foundation to move a policy item forward. So some great examples of that, I think, are the work that we're doing with the government of Alberta on, you know, some of their modernization in their regulatory process and red tape reduction is a key one. We're participating on the government's red tape panel as an organization. We're coordinating all of our members, ensuring that we understand what the impacts of the regulatory process is on them. And then we're able to kind of work directly with government and engage with them on, you know, how they can make systemic changes that advance our industry. So I think, you know, red tape, a key one, and there's so many, and they all kind of align in that same way. So 
members coming to us so we can bring that one industry approach and work directly with government on their behalf. I think the one thing that, you know, again, I just want to leave people with is that every part of our sector is really important. There is a ton of opportunity and future opportunity, I think, across all areas of that sector. And in order to realize that opportunity, we need to be the most competitive. We need to ensure that people understand our sustainability story and understand how we're contributing to, you know, global policy goals. And then I think we need to, you know, hit the ground running and realize some of that vision. So um, we can't do it alone as AFPA and we can't do it alone as our members. Um, But, you know, we're certainly working to pull in more and more partners so that, that we're moving forward together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, telling that sustainability story um, and getting out more on the public side will definitely help when it comes to the skill shortage and ensuring that we have the future workforce to move towards the bioeconomy, which you had mentioned earlier. Absolutely. And we've got so many great programs. I mean, WorkWild is so key. Here we are going right into schools and, and talking about the workforce and a forestry future. And, you know, that's the perfect place to start to tap into people to realize, you know, what type of jobs are here. I mean, here I am in mid-career, I would say, or and I'm still learning about what the different opportunities are. My eyes are always opened about the different things and how skills kind of translate across all industries. And I think there's so much opportunity for people to be a part of this industry and, and to grow our workforce. And that's something that our members and the AFP are really committed to. Well said. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Janice. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm always happy to talk forestry. I hope we'll come back yes. in six months' times and see what else I've learned. Today, it's one thing to talk about, you know, all, all of the vision and future that we hope for. But I hope, you know, in six months' time and a year from now, we're talking about just more and more wins that we're getting along the way. Thanks again to our guest, Janice Simpkins, Senior Vice President of the Alberta Forest Products Association. Find more episodes of this podcast, as well as the latest industry news, at pulpandpapercanada.com and on Twitter at Pulp Paper Canada. You can also search for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm Christina Urquhart, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pulp and Paper Canada, the podcast. <laughs>